0: Thank you for joining us on the Crossroads Church podcast. We are so excited to have you as part of our family. We're a community where people are welcomed home, built up, and sent out. Our prayer is for you to find meaningful relationship and belonging with both God and His people. We'd love to connect with you. Download the Crossroads Church app, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or simply send us an email at info at mycrossroads.co. We pray that as you hear this message, you encounter Jesus and all that he has in store for you. So, thanks. Uh, good morning, everybody, and good morning to those who are watching online around the country and around the world. I'd like to give a shout out to, to Paul, who is in Brazil, and welcome especially to those who are here the, the very first time or you're back after a while, so, uh, so welcome to, to all of you. God's got some neat things in store for us. I don't know if you know this, but you have a dominant eye and a weak eye, okay? And let me just uh, show you what I mean. If you could make like a, a circle like this with your hands out there. Go ahead, everybody do that. And go ahead and look at me, if you would. And, and look through, at me through that circle first. And then what I want you to do is I want you to close one eye and then close the other then close one eye and close the other. If you notice one of them jumping around like crazy, that's your weak eye. If you see almost no difference between you doing that, that's your, that's your dominant eye. And so, uh, you know, if you've ever shot a gun, you realize you have a weak eye and a dominant eye because uh, you're not gonna hit a thing if you're trying to shoot a gun with your weak eye. You're gonna be doing that with your, with your strong eye pretty much naturally. But uh, we're gonna be talking uh, uh, about just, I mean, where does that, sh- where does that talk to us today? We can go so many different directions with that so many ways because uh, first of all you think about the the fact that that we could look at life through a good eye or a bad eye we could look at the circumstances in our life through a good eye or bad eye couldn't we we could look at, at life through the the eyes of faith or you could look at life through the eyes of fear the circumstances that are going on you could look at people through bad eye or good eye, couldn't you? You could look at people through a critical eye or you can look at people through a, uh, through a, a loving eye like Jesus would. You can look at the situations in your life and where you are in life right now through, through a hatred or through gratitude, right? Uh, ingratitude or gratitude. And we're gonna be taking a look at this today and seeing a person and seeing a group of people that some of these are looking through bad eyes and some of them are looking through, through good eyes. And we're in a study right now on on miracles, the miracles of Jesus. And last week, we started looking at a person... Who was born blind I'm mean, Not just blind, but born blind He's never seen light He's never seen a face He's never seen a smile And we barely got into it last week Because we went off on a tangent A good rabbit hole A rabbit hole that's really important Especially when we take a look at this You read the first couple sentences And that's this That, that where does evil come from? Where does pain come from? Where does suffering come from? And how do we honor God In the midst of our suffering? But today we're going to take a look at the, at the rest of the story We're going to be starting from uh, John chapter nine, and it says this: As he talking about Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, "Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? One of the two had to sin, right? At least in their mind that uh, that he was born blind. Neither one sinned, nor neither he sinned nor his parents sinned," said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day. We must do the work of him who sent me Night is coming when no one can work While I am in the world, I am the light of the world I think it's really cool that Jesus called himself the light of the world Right before he healed a blind person, right? And in fact, the Pharisees who do not believe he's the light of the world He gives them literally an eyewitness to prove that that he is And what Jesus did next seemed crazy it says, having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eye. I mean, this is wild, right? Guys love this verse. Because if ever you have something in your throat, and you're with a lady, and you, 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 you have to do something, just, just spit on the ground and say, I asked myself, what would Jesus do? That's what Jesus would do, right? So, uh, and your first thing, is there's probably two reactions. The first is gross, right? I mean, gross. <laughs> Gross! I don't know about you, but my mom, if I ever had something as a little kid, if I, you know, had something on my face, what would she do? What would your mom do? Right? And then rub that. Man, I I was a boy. I'd so much rather have the mud on my face than spit on my face, right? But so, and then the other thing is, why? Why in the world would Jesus do this? Why would he use spit? Why would he use mud? Maybe it's because the Pharisees had all these rules that were not in the Bible that they just made up about how to, how to fulfill the Sabbath. And one of the things you could not do is you could not spit and you could not make mud. And so so maybe Jesus was just giving them a hard time Which he always loved to do And saying I'm not going to abide by your rules I'll abide by the word of God But I'm not going to abide by your man-made rules And maybe it's because of this Maybe it's because we were made out You know God made Adam out of the dust of the, the ground And now Jesus is doing something out of mud Dust of the ground again And the same God We need to know this The same God that created in the first place Is the same God that recreated the same God that created something in your life Can recreate that Don't ever, don't ever miss that And something else there is, uh, as well is, is I believe that he did it Maybe because of To reach one group of tribal people In Papua New Guinea Marilyn Laszlo is one of the the heroes of my life. She was a person that came to our school one time and told about her adventures on the mission field. And something clicked in my life, and from that moment on, I wanted to be involved in missions. I wanted my own stories of how God could work in me and through me on the mission field. And here was her story that that she and another lady really felt a calling to reach some people, an unreached people group, a group of headhunters in Papua New Guinea. And so, so they learned just a couple of phrases. One was hello, and one was my brothers. So they here's these two ladies go up the, the river in their canoe, and they show up at this group of headhunters, this whole village of, of, of almost prehistoric people. And they said this. They just said, my brothers, my brothers, my brothers. Hello, my brothers. Now, they found out later that if it would have been two men that had, that had canoed up there, they would have killed both of the men. If it was a man and a woman, they would have killed the man and had the woman. But they didn't know what to do with two women, especially when they were saying, my brothers, my brothers. So they welcomed them into the community. Now Marilyn Laszlo was part of Wycliffe Bible Translators, an amazing group that brings the word of God to people who have never had that in their own language. So that's what she was doing. So, so one of the, the, the witch doctor would come up to her and, and would tell her different things. She'd ask, what does this to say? How do, what's the word for this? What's the word for this? And so finally she started translating the, the Gospels into, into their, their tribal language. And so she would tell one, a story of one of the miracles of Jesus and, and the, the, the headhunter came up to, to her, the, the witch doctor, and said, you're a terrible storyteller. You're a horrible storyteller You tell me the story And then I'll tell it to everybody else So the very first preacher In this culture was the, the, was the witch doctor Who had no belief Whatsoever at that time Well there came to this story right here And this was the story That transformed their, not only their tribe But tribe after tribe after tribe In that region Because here's the thing What they used to do Is when somebody was sick the, the witch doctors would go around them And be spitting on them To try to make them better But here's the thing Not one person ever got healed by doing that So don't ask me why they still kept hawking on those people If nobody ever got better by doing it But when they heard about this Now they wanted to know Jesus as their savior They wanted to give their life to Jesus Because he obviously had a power That they did not, that they did not have now, the center of their being, we call it our heart, right? We say, you know, love God with all of our heart. I love you with all my heart. That's the center of our being. The center of their being is their throat. That, so they, they received the spitter into their throat as their Lord and Savior instead of welcoming uh, him into our heart as, uh, as Lord and Savior. I gotta tell you one more story about that. The, the, uh, the witch doctor He was buck naked except for all he would wear is a vine around his his waist. So this lady, Marilyn, had to work with him all the time, hours a day, and wanted some clothes on the boy, right? So she asked her, the, the mission society, if they would send him some clothes. And sure enough, one, you know, months later Here the, here the clothes come and, and so she is so thrilled And she gives it to him And he's just thrilled And he goes off to his hut to change, to change clothes and, and so he comes running back And she hears, Mama Laszlo, it's beautiful It's beautiful, it's beautiful And she's thinking, thank you, Lord He's going to be clothed He comes running up and all he's wearing is his belt So, but so, you know I think God loves to continually give light And if this, if this man So he's not He's not deaf. He's blind. So he hears, right? And then he he feels the the mud. He knows this is made out of spit and everything. How do you think he's feeling about this? Probably the same way you and I would. Could there not be a a less gross way of of healing my eyes? That's probably what he was uh, was going through. And, And know this that sometimes God uses wonderful things to heal us and to give us sight. Because think about this, we all need sight. We're all blind in our own ways, aren't we? We're blinded by things, we're blinded to things. And, and there's times that we don't see the, the work of God in our life. We don't see people the way we should. We don't see this world as we should. We need God to heal our, our sight. And so sometimes he does that through wonderful things. He does it through miracles How many times have you seen a miracle Or seen somebody have a miracle And, and all of a sudden their eyes are open That there's, there's, they, they realize God in a different way Than they ever have before Or maybe a blessing in your life Maybe it was a child that, that was born And suddenly you're seeing life As you've never seen it before But sometimes God uses spitty situations Right Sometimes God uses muddy situations In order to, to wake, up, wake us up To what is really important or li- of life Or what life is, is all, a, all about And so let's go on He says, go, he told him go, Wash in the pool of Siloam And this word means sent I've been to this pool uh, it's, it's at the bottom of a big hill in, uh, At the base of, of Jerusalem And not only have I been to that pool, but I've seen the stairs that this guy would have had to go down. And they are straight up, I mean, they are steep, steep, steep. And also something about that as well is there's hundreds of them. Hundreds and hundreds. And to make matters worse, what he was telling them to do here was during the Feast of Tabernacles, which meant there were thousands and thousands of, uh, of people that were now in Jerusalem that normally weren't there. So there would have been hundreds and hundreds of people on this stairs just to make matters worse. In other words, what he told them to do is take a big step of faith. God is always telling people in the Bible to, to take a step of faith In fact there's almost not a miracle That Jesus didn't tell them To take some sort of step of faith When I mean, he told the person get up Take up your, wa- uh, your, your mat and go home He told the group of lepers Go and show yourself to the priest Which is what you do after you're healed Not before you're healed And while they were on their way That's when they were healed And God always loves to tell us To t- take steps of faith doesn't he? I mean, think about how many times God has told you to take steps of faith in your family or in your business, in your career, in your school, whatever it is, and the two ways that I know, in your finances. I mean, isn't tithing that's taking a step of faith? That is, that is you trust me with 10% and you watch what I can do. It's a huge step of faith. That's why a lot of people, some people at least, have trouble with that. But then there's also two that I guarantee you that God wants to have you take steps of faith, One is in your relationship with him. He wants you to, in your relationship with him, he is always wanting to take you from one level to another, and that is almost always requires a step of faith. Something else he wants you to do is get involved in ministry, that you use your gifts and talents for the glory of of God. God's given you those things, not just to hold those things, not just to keep those things, but to use those, those things. So in other words, there's four things I know where God wants to have you take steps of faith. In your life One of them is in, uh, is in your prayers That, that you, wherever you are That God wants you to be involved in prayer That God wants you to do that. That's how we grow as a Christian To spend time with God To hang out with God To talk to him about There's nothing too big There's nothing too small That he can't uh, talk to us about Another thing is Get in the word of God If you're not in the word of God You're missing out If you're not in the word of God, in fact, if you're not doing all these things that we're talking about, you're missing out because you were created to know God and you were created to serve God. That's why you're on this earth. Everything else is is gravy on the potatoes. So if you're not doing those things, you're not doing what God created you to do. You're not fulfilling the calling that God has on, on your life. Another thing you need to do is doing exactly what you're doing right now. You need to spend time with other Christians, spend time in fellowship, spend time learning, Which, uh, and not just occasionally, but on a regular basis so we can, can grow. God has made us where we need that. Another thing is to use the gifts and talents that God has given us for his glory. Now, he will use that in different ways. He, he will speak to each of us On how we do that differently For instance, you may have a calling in your life to, to work with kids You may have a calling to work with youth You may have a calling to be behind the scenes You may have a to calling to, to play music You may have a calling to work with audio, video Whatever it is, get involved in something Because you were created to do, to do something So God has, has, has created us in that way Another thing is, is this is that uh, God telling him to do this doesn't make a lick of sense, does it? I mean, why would you tell a blind person to go and, and do this? And, and again, I don't know about you, but in my life, time after time, God has asked me to take a step of faith that made no sense whatsoever. No sense whatsoever. He's asked us as a church many, many times to take bold and courageous steps of faith when it didn't make sense. I'll give you an example of this. About five years into, into being alive in this church, you know, about five years into, into Crossroads, uh, that we were together as the administrative board and we were to make the decision on what the budget was gonna be for the next year. And everybody was feeling this thing. God was stirring something up of going, we are not supposed to make a budget on what we believe we can afford. I believe God is telling us to make a, a, make a budget based on what we believe God is telling us to do. So, so all of a sudden, everybody's hearing this number that is crazy, to, to, to increase the budget by 80%. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm, I've got a lot of faith, and I'm swallowing hard on this. This is the first time I've been with a group of people that way out faith. me. I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. But this is what everybody's feeling. In fact, the treasurer said, we can't do this, and if we do this, I'm going to quit. And we did it, and he quit. And lo and behold, we made that 80%. Which on paper made no sense whatsoever The next year we did the same thing And took a leap of faith of 60% The treasurer that time said If we do that I'm quitting I don't think we can do that And God not only showed up with 60% there But God also increased that by 120,000 Where we could do amazing more ministry Around the country and around the world Than we were planning to, to do The next year 40% We lost three treasures in three years Right? And you'd think that they'd go, wait, maybe God can do that. But these were bold, huge steps of faith that God was calling us to, God was calling us to take. And, and <clears throat> here's the thing we have to understand. God's not Spock, you know? I mean, Spock always does everything logically, right? And God, it seems like, almost always does things that doesn't make sense, right? I mean, think about it. He told people to walk around Jericho seven times, right, and then shout oh and by the way put the praise band in the front not the army that makes no sense but when they did it look what God did God said he was going to start a nation of all the people you could possibly start a nation with you don't do it with a with an old lady who is barren and a guy who's a geezer right you don't do it but that's exactly how God created Israel it's not logical to talk through a donkey. It's not logical to talk through a burning bush. But God seems to always do it in that way, a way that is not that is not logical. So why does God do that? Why does God do things that are illogical and have us to take those steps of faith? Because if we do something that just makes sense, then we, we can take the credit for that. But if we do something that makes no sense whatsoever and God has this big step of faith, only he could fulfill that, and God's the one that gets the glory. Not only does it, it, does it not make a lick of sense, it seems to be completely unnecessary, doesn't it? Couldn't Jesus have just gone, be healed, boom. Why would he have to do all this other stuff? Why would he have to have to use all these other means? Maybe there's a reason that we can think about with there's a, a, an Episcopal bishop by the name of William Fry. And what he did is he, he volunteered to, to mentor a young man. And this is his story. He had lost his eyesight at the age of 13 in a chemical explosion. And at that point, that young man thought his life was was over. And for years, he was unbelievably bitter at God and bitter at his whole situation. And he went into this spiral of self-pity. And his dad realized something. His dad realized the self-pity was destroying him far more than the blindness was destroying him. So one day, he came up with an idea, and he said, Son said it's getting colder we need the storm windows put up and I expect you to do that have that done by the time I get home and he pretended to slam the door but he stayed in the in the room watching what his son would do well the son was so mad and upset at his dad he decided to do it he thought I'll show my dad not only will I be blind but now we'll have a crippled son too will I'll probably fall and get hurt in the middle of the middle of this so he Put up every single one of those storm windows by himself not reeling really until after he was done that his dad was never more than five feet away from him making sure that he was uh, making sure that he was okay and, and what he realized was this his dad realized that he needed to get out of that cycle of self pity because all he would had is, is people taking care of him uh, and, and this, this blind man the same thing he realized that everybody had been taking him and maybe Jesus was saying, you can do a whole lot more than you think you can do. You can be a lot bigger than what you think you can do. And not only am I gonna heal your blindness, but I'm gonna heal your self-worth too and realize that you can do amazing things. And he told them this. He said, go wash in the, in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. I want you to picture that you were this man or picture yourself as, the, as a lady in this in this situation Picture yourself in this moment And Jesus tells you to do that And so you obediently do this But that means that you don't have a seeing eye dog Somehow you have to get from, he, from here To the, you know, to, to the place to, the, to those stairs And so you go in there And remember there's hundreds There's thousands of people in Jerusalem And you're bumping against this person and that person You probably fall, probably fall on your knees Probably fall on your face a few times But you get up And you get up again 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 And you keep going And you keep going And you keep going And some of you know Exactly what that feels like Right now Because that's what you're doing Because there's times That you're You're rubbing against And bumping against This circumstance And this circumstance And this problem And this problem And sometimes you fall On your knees And sometimes you fall Flat on your face And you know what You keep going And you keep going And you keep going And finally you find yourself At the top of the stairs But there's (laughs) There's no, there's no handrails then There's no handrails OSHA didn't exist back then You're on your own Somehow getting down there And again More people bumping against you But finally you get To the bottom of the stairs And you're, you're not deaf You can hear the, the people in the water and you can smell the water So you walk over And you, and you, you bump into it and you, and you touch the water And you do what the man told you to do you, you start washing You start washing that mud away And then suddenly for the first time You look up And you see light And, and, and you look down at your hands and, and you can see your fingers For the very first time And then, then the amazing thing happens You look down And you see your reflection For the first time In your, in your life Imagine what would happen when that took place And then here it says he came back seeing. He came back seeing. notice don't miss the sequence because it's absolutely vital It did not happen when he was with jesus It did not happen when he was on the way it happened when he was obedient to jesus That's when the miracle took place And i'm telling you time after time after time in the scriptures We find this that we do the natural before god does the supernatural He waits for us to do the natural thing That he's told us to do Then he comes in with the supernatural And we have the saying Seeing is believing But what we're about to find out here Is is that believing really is seeing That we do that thing Notice this It wasn't because he earned it That's not why he got healed It wasn't because he deserved it That's not why he, he got healed he got healed because he trusted God and he obeyed. He trusted Jesus when He said the words, and he obeyed Jesus when He told him what to what to do. And if um, and it goes on on this, and sa- it says this. And, and well, imagine this: imagine that you were this man again, and you've had all this great thing happen. You have now been healed of, of blindness from the time you were born. How would you expect people to respond? Wouldn't you expect people to to celebrate like crazy? And people, especially your friends, especially your family, especially your spiritual leaders. But that didn't happen with any of this. The, uh, the, his, his neighbors and friends they doubted, half of them. And then the, his parents they they didn't. Instead of coming to his defense, they just let him go. And instead of his his spiritual leaders applauding and praising God, they actually attack him. Listen to these stories. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some of them claimed he was, and others said, no, he just looks like the man. But he himself insisted, no, no, I'm, I'm the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded, he, he replied. The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. And here, this man is being asked to do something. You're to see him being asked to do time and time again. And that's given account of what happened. And it's the most simple account. I love this. He goes, well, here, here's just what happened. Uh, he told me to go wash. I washed. I see. That's it. That's all I know. And so they ask him this, where is the man? <laughs> they asked. I don't know, he said. Well, and these being true, Right. I mean, he had never seen Jesus before. He still has not seen Jesus. He talked to Jesus, but he still doesn't, had never seen him. So they could put Jesus in a lineup, and he'd go, I have no idea which it is. Remember, 10 minutes ago, I was blind. I've never seen the guy. And so then he goes, he goes to the Pharisees. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was on the Sabbath. Therefore, The Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. Here's response number two. It's going to sound an awful lot like response number one. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he, he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? And they were divided. The Pharisees were divided. Part of them were going, Wait, he does not fulfill some of the 600 laws, additional things that we added to the Sabbath. Now, notice the Bible never says that he can't, that that somebody couldn't heal on the Sabbath or make mud or spit or anything. None of that is in the Word of God. They made the whole thing up. But some of them are so divided that they go, He can't, He's not fulfilling our man made laws, so He can't be from God. And the others are going, What are you talking about? Obviously, he's from God. I mean, you can't, so many not from God can't do this. And don't miss this. I don't know if you know this, but there's not one account of a miracle of healing in the Old Testament. Not one. Bunches, tons of miracles. Not one about healing of a blind person. In fact, Isaiah chapter 61, the uh, 700 years before Jesus ever showed up, Isaiah's prophesying about the Messiah and what he's gonna be like and what he's gonna do. And one of the things he says is He's going to make blind eyes see And so think about this The Pharisees just a, just a couple chapters before Were going hey give us a sign Give us one sign that you're the Messiah Prove it, prove that you're the Messiah And he does the big one right He makes blind eyes see something That nobody else had ever ever done And they're going no give us a real sign Come on give us a real sign I want to see a real sign He's the, doing the sign that the Messiah was supposed to do. Some people will never, ever, ever believe no matter what they see. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about this? Uh, about him? It was your eyes he opened, and the man replied, he's a prophet. Notice this, in, chapter, in, uh, in, chapter, in verse 11, he says he's a man, and now, just a few verses later, he says he's a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been born blind, and they had received his sight until they, they sent for the man's parents. Are, is this your son? They asked. This is, our, is he the one that has been born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. How he can see now? Who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. Now listen to this. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ. Would be put out of the synagogue That's why his parents said He is of age Ask him Think of this 2,000 years ago A cancel society A cancel culture Was already taking place I'm going to read They said Anybody that believes That Jesus is the Messiah We're canceling him We're not going to talk to him We're going to throw him Out of the synagogue He's gone And think of this I mean this is it's, Some things never change Do they? In fact he said that his, his parents Instead of, of taking a stand for him Were so intimidated by these people With, the, with their cancel culture That they bowed to, to it And when, in those days If you were thrown out of the synagogue That was a huge deal Because this it meant that No Jew would talk to you No Jew would help you if you needed help No Jew would sell anything to you So man you're talking about Totally canceled there Again some things never ever changed A second time, they summoned the man who had been born blind. Give glory to God, they said. I'm thinking, that's exactly what the guy's trying to do and you won't believe him when he says the things. But give glory to God was basically their way of saying, tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. He said this, we know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. I love this part because some of you, you have friends who don't know Jesus You have family members who don't know Jesus. You have people you work with, you go to school with who don't know Jesus. And you're wondering, how how in the world do I say anything that could make a difference? Here's just what he did. He just said, I was blind and now I see. That's it, that's all I know. I was blind but now I see. And that's something that you know. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, that's something you know. Is Jesus has given you a a vision of, of his love. God has given you a vision of what grace is about and what love and mercy is about, what salvation is about. That's all you can, and you can say that. You can say, here's my story. And you saying your story is enough. And the one thing I love is he said, I just know one thing. And you may say, well, I've never been to you know, seminary, Bible college, I've never, I don't have the Bible memorized. Do you know one thing? Do you know what God has done in your life? You can tell about what God has done in your life And you have no idea the difference it can make in other people's lives I know this for a fact I've told you this many times But I'm here today sharing this Because one lady, one time, one young lady When I was a young man of about 17 years old Said, this is what God's done for me This is my story I don't know a lot, but I know one thing This is what Jesus has done for me And I'm going, please, I'm all over that Give me what you've, what you've got And said this too I said, I've already Oh, Then they asked him, what did he do? How did he open your eyes? And this, this time they want to know how he did it. They're more, miss, don't miss this, they're more interested in the mud than they are in the miracle. Don't ever get caught up in the mud when God's trying to do a miracle. He answered, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? I love this part. Do you want to become his disciple too? How do you think that went over? How do you think that went over? Like a lead balloon, that's exactly how it went over. Then he hurled in, Then they hurled insults at him and said you are this fellow's disciple We're disciples of Moses We know that God spoke to Moses But as for this fellow We don't even know where he comes from First of all that's a lie Because two chapters before they said We know you come from Galilee But right here they're ju- accusing him Of being a follower of Jesus Christ You know what Man if you're ever going to be accused of something That's what I want to be accused of I pray, that, I pray that people can look at my life And they can say Here's a follower of Jesus Christ so I want to be accused of that. I am guilty as, as charged. Then he said this The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, He listens to the godly person who does, does His will. Nobody has ever heard of, of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. I love his simplicity of his, of his logic. Look, God doesn't listen to sinners. I was healed by this man. Therefore, ergo, A plus B equals C. He's got to be from God. And then I love, look what he's done now. See, he went from the man, this man must be a prophet, this man must be from God. To this he, they replied, you were steeped in sin from birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Look what Jesus did. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, I love the fact that Jesus found him. Jesus is looking for you. Jesus is always looking for us. Do you believe, he asked him a question, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Son of Man? He said, who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you now have seen him. I love that. In fact, he's the one speaking to you, with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. He went from he's a man to he's a prophet he must be from God, Lord, I believe, and worshiping him. And Jesus said, for judgment, I've come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who, will see, uh, who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and said, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you, were not, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. And the irony in this whole thing is, is Jesus is saying the person who's really blind can see, but the people who, are, who say they can see They're the ones that are really blind. I love the fact that Jesus is still opening the eyes of people and bringing light to people all around the the world. Something that I've heard of for the last several years, and I love this, it's amazing. I hear story after story of this, testimony after testimony, that God is opening the eyes of of, of Muslims all around the the, the world by the thousands. And what he's doing, he's appearing to them in dreams, and he's appearing to them in, in visions. There's a man by the name of Tom Doyle and he wrote a book about it and, and he's quoted in Lee Strobel's book on, on, on miracles and, and he said this, he said, more Muslims have, come to, have become Christians in the last couple of decades than in the previous 1,400 years since Muhammad. About one out of every three Muslim background believers had had a dream or a vision tied to their salvation experience. Most of them say the same thing. Jesus see the same thing. Jesus in a white robe telling them he loves them and he died for them and urging them to follow him. And this has been happening in Syria, Iran, Iraq, and Egypt. This is what's happening in Egypt. That is happening so many times in Egypt. Christian outreach groups have taken out ads in the newspapers and this is what the ad said. Have you seen the man in the white robe in your dreams? He has a message for you call this number. and Doyle explained that over 50% of Muslims cannot read and 86% have never met a Christian in their life. So our God of love goes to them and shows himself to, to them in dreams and visions. If we could power our head and pray. Jesus wants to come and give sight to us in areas where we may, we may be blind. Where is God saying right now for you to take a step of faith? Where is He saying to take a step of faith in your relationship with Him? Where is He telling you to take a step of faith in ministry? Maybe you've never ever been involved in ministry or maybe it was pre-COVID or pre-years ago and God's saying you'd start taking those steps of faith back again. And maybe there's some things going on in life right now that are pretty spitty. (laughs) Or that are muddy, can you trust God that He's doing something despite the mud and despite the saliva? Where is God telling you that your eye is weak? Maybe it's in how you view people, maybe it's how you view God, maybe it's how you view life, maybe it's how you view the circumstances. And God, may we see through eyes of faith, may we see through eyes of love, may we see through eyes of grace. May we see through eyes of of courage. And God, I just pray in the middle of this this culture that would silence people who take a stand. Lord God, that you raise up our faith and make us strong. And God, we boldly say that we're a follower of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Crossroads podcast. Check back with us weekly to hear more messages. We hope you have a blessed day.